0: Welcome to Full Circle with Lika, a place of self-expression and holistic exploration of the human experience. I am honored to welcome you on this journey towards liberation, joy and freedom. Make yourself comfortable as we dive deep into spirituality, mindset, self-development and random stories filled with life lessons. Let's step together in that space where we get to unleash our own magic. Welcome to a new episode of Full Circle with Lika. Today I'm not alone, I'm with Megan. I'm so grateful and so honored to have you today. Megan, you're a wellness and mindset coach You help six figures professionals during peak performance and optimizing their health, their energy through nutrition and mindfulness, and also sleep. You have a podcast that is called Energetically You. I know you're all about like the small shifts and how they can have a huge impact in the life. And I love your perspective around doing it for us, taking care of our health for us, but also for our loved ones and our communities. And I just love this perspective. And you're also just the full embodiment of what you're teaching. Like seriously, when I think about you, I just think about like, I call you the vitality queen because to me, you're just so vibrant of so much energy and so much vitality, vitality. I don't know how you say that, but welcome. I'm so happy to have
1: you. Wow. Well, thank you so much for the introduction. I think I'm going to take that on, vitality queen. I like that.
0: Yeah. I was like, my God, this should be on her profile.
1: (laughs) She is. (laughs) She really is. On my profile. But thank you so much. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I, I really appreciate the invitation and I'm so excited for the conversation. Please, can you
0: walk us through what brought you? What was the turning point where you decided to do what you're doing and supporting people in the way you do it?
1: Definitely. Well, there's a few sort of catalysts. And then I think different big shifts that came out of each of those catalysts. But the first one that even put coaching on my radar was as a newish mom, like I had two children at that point, I'd been surviving on sleep deprivation for uh, two or almost going on three years, and was basically adapting that that was my new reality. And then a close friend of mine was taking the program through INN in New York to become a health coach. And she needed sort of guinea pig clients. uh, And I was keen through her guidance. um, I put some very simple, but at the time it seemed like a drastic change to get up 20 minutes earlier, even when I wasn't getting enough sleep. But I started to put these very small shifts towards self-care into practice uh, ultimately watching her coach me I became so interested in the process of becoming one of myself and I thought it really aligned with my history I'd been in the wellness industry as a yoga teacher for 10 years at that point I'd had my own studios opened and closed them basically with every with every the end of every pregnancy as I was uh always the the only teacher but um married this, this awareness that I had that I wanted to do something in the wellness sphere, but I've always also been very political, very interested in human rights, in education and empowerment through education. And so I saw that everything that she was studying in this health coaching program really kind of married all of those things. We won't, I mean, we can get into as much as you want, but like the politics behind our very uh, damaged food system at, at this point is an example. And anyway, so it was really through that that it was like this perfect marriage of a lot of things I was passionate about. And at the time, I saw my own transformation and experienced it within myself. And I just really wanted to share that with other moms, because I felt like the uh, mainstream messaging was, you know, just kind of grin and bear it. Uh, It was a lot around, you know, that fun moms you know, it was like this rinse and re- repeat cycle of sleep deprivation, coffee, sweets, red wine, you know, like um, all these things that are quote unquote considered self care that are really, you know, damaging in the long run to your mental health. And so, I felt like there was like a lot to work on. I mean, I can back up a lot more, but it became clear to me even part of the reason I had left um, Toronto and kind of started my own eat pray love journey and landed and stayed in Mexico. I saw that there was more value and it was more satisfying to me as a human to help people on a one-on-one kind of scale instead of trying to make systematic change which is what I started out doing at post-university.
0: So interesting I love like everything that like brought you into that this whole journey so you you've already been in that wellness is that is that something is it um, an environment you grew up in or is it something that you got interested in you just mentioned you were a yoga teacher so I guess this has been running for a long time in your life
1: well actually yoga was sort of the first um, thing that saved me if you will like uh, in my 20s well I mean I started drinking when I was 17 but like I was a full-on alcoholic through my 20s and into my earlier 30s and so I found yoga at 26 I think 27 and that at least gave me some balance in my life up until that point I really didn't have any <laughs> but I was still like living to lifestyles so I was going out and clubbing Thursday, Friday, Saturday but then Saturday but I would always make it to like back-to-back hardcore vinyasa ashtanga classes so I'd like practice four hours of ashtanga yoga Saturday and Sunday morning sort of as this uh, punishment I, I think ashtanga tends to attract type a I <laughs> I've trained um, up until level three in ashtanga but uh, and I of course it's still part of my my roots in the yoga world but I really don't practice it like that anymore but it saved me also in the sense that it gave me st- some sort of like structure around spiritualism my grandmother was Catholic. My mother was atheist, but grew up in a Catholic girls school. And I just had like a lot of resistance around anything traditionally religious for a couple of reasons. But that was like the main sort of as a child. So I it, I found like some ho- greater meaning in, in the movement practice and the breathing exercises. And I started eating a lot better. That's when I started um, cutting out. I cut out milk, not dairy at that point, but uh, it had like obviously dramatic health effect, like improved my health uh, a lot. But like I said, I was still doing um, a lot of other things. It was just sort of creating this new balance, but it definitely opened my world up to a different community. Um, I started to meet some of the key teachers in my life that have become, you know, integrated in in who I am now. Um, But yeah, that was that was my introduction into the wellness world. And at that point, my plan was only to kind of teach yoga on the side. And then when I wanted to go travel the world, I figured it was like a backup plan, like I could teach English or teach yoga. And that's kind of what I did for the first several years. And then eventually here in Mexico, I like I mentioned before, I had a couple yoga studios, but it was never anything large scale because um because I'm in a small city and and at the time actually it was very difficult I tried actually when my second child was born I tried to find someone to take it over so I didn't have to close Mm -hmm. it and it was just not that easy to find uh, a a trusted like-minded person there was very small yoga community in the city where I am now it's different 10 years later of course but um yeah, but it, it took me on a different path, which was I started teaching privately here. And um, that was much more in alignment with being a mom, meaning I could be very, um, I was a lot more in control of my schedule. And it wasn't didn't have to be consistent, I could walk away if I or, you know, take a vacation here and there. Um, and at the same time, I, I met other interesting people It was kind of a different clientele. And um, so, yeah, you know,
0: something you you mentioned a lot and following your work is anything about um, around being sober. And that's the topic I really wanted you to guide us through.
1: I've been sober for three plus years now. Um, my sober date is the day after St. Patrick's Day, um, which is kind of fitting because I have Irish roots. Um, and it was always, it's like a, a very important alcoholic holiday, if you will. <laughs> But I, it, along with the first part of our first catalyst of working with a health coach, you know, she never suggested anything about, you know, drinking less or anything like that. But after taking better care of myself and getting better sleep, it was on my radar. So I did first what I called a mindful drinking year. Like I gave myself a year to see if I could control it. In a way that i didn't need to say that i'm quitting drinking so that looked like for me um counting drinks only certain days of the week i drank you know like everything was very conscious instead of just letting it flow uh and that kind of worked but i inevitably had um the odd night you know now it was like once every three months instead of once every other weekend where i either partly or totally blacked out, or said something I didn't mean, or, you know, just in general, made bad decisions under the influence. Um, And really, it was, you know, my, I always say, like, my main why is for not drinking is my children, and that, um, one, they give me the gift of you know, it's, it's very socially acceptable once you're pregnant to stop drinking. So, and I breastfed both of my children. Um, my goal was like the two year mark, but I didn't reach it with either of them because with my first child, I became pregnant with my second child, 13 months after. So I tried breastfeeding and being pregnant and I just decided, no, <laughs> it's not for me, I need to be one or the other, or, you know, um, I need to be the major nutrient source for one other being besides myself, not two at at a time. Um, It was just, it, it kind of just aligned. It was fine. But the point is there was like between being pregnant, breastfeeding, pregnant, breastfeeding, there was like a four hour, four year sorry, four year window where I hardly drank. Like I maybe had the odd glass of red wine and my experience pregnant was even though I could like rationalize that it was okay because in many cultures, especially here in Mexico, like women have the odd drink and it's not considered the end of the world. Um, but I would just take a sip and my body told me that that's not what was not a good idea. Like it just didn't sit the same way that it did, um, not being pregnant. So, and even breastfeeding, I had that same experience to the point that I'm still convinced that I think, you know, women go through major hormonal changes. Your body is not the same body post um, birth. And so that coupled with this greater awareness of how taking better care of myself. And then I tried through the mindful drinking year. And at the end of the year, um, I just decided, no, not at the end of the year. I don't think I, re- I, I think I maybe reached like the six month mark. And then I had a night where I just did a bunch of things that as a child growing up with an alcoholic father. Uh, And, and just this, like, you know, when you grow up with certain things, you often have this like conviction that you're not going to do it that way, that you would never X, Y, Z. Um, And I caution you that until you're a parent, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you never really know. But though for me, it was like, I was doing these non-negotiable things that I swore I would never do, like driving drunk home from, uh, you know, a social event with my kids in the car, like, arguably it's bad enough that I'm putting my risk, my life at risk as a mother or other people on the road, but I actually had my kids in the car and I just woke up that morning. And that was like the last time I was willing to have that huge, ugly, shame, disappointment sense. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's lots more I can unpack there in terms of like, you know, I really don't think you can be your best parent under the influence and or hungover. Um, but that, that was, that's my story. And I decided I, you know, I, am, I have no problem calling myself an alcoholic, but in the recovery world, there's like some people are really preoccupied with labels, others not so much. I never went to AA. I just literally through trial and error, and I was able to quit with my own conviction, if you will. Um, I've not really looked back. I mean, the odd time, you know, like my husband and I, six months after I decided to quit drinking, went to Greece and were, you know, in having lunch on a uh, vineyard on a Greek island. And You know, there, and then on our honeymoon, we went to wine country in New Zealand because that was, that's a big part of our relationship, or at least the beginning of it, was we love to share wine together. Mm. And I think that's a thing that people, I mean, it maybe sounds small, but it's like a really big factor that I think a lot of people that I wouldn't even say alcoholics, because I don't think like this is actually one thing that I'm moving into more is talking about the fact that you don't need to have however you want to define a drinking problem to decide to live alcohol free or to dramatically change your relationship with alcohol like there um, are lots of reasons that people can choose not to drink and um but yeah I mean the there's this social pressure is like a huge huge factor but you know my husband um completely respects and honors my decision and there's like you know, absolutely no peer pressure, if you will, from him, Mm. and I actually thought there would be a lot more peer pressure from my friends, but there really wasn't, so it led me to think, like, they were more aware that I should have done this years before than I was, you
0: know. Thank you so much for sharing with us, um, you know, this this also breaking point of, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that, and kind of, like, getting yourself out of that, literally being your own coach already, coaching yourself, realizing, this is, this is not, this is not happening anymore. I would love to know how do you feel now? How does it feel in your
1: body? Well, yeah, I mean, like, arguably, I can't even remember like physically how it felt back then, other than I always felt like I was dragging myself through my days a little bit more so than I do now. Like now, I feel like it's incredibly energizing for two main reasons. One is you know, your body's not spending energy processing the ethanol. And two, well, it's kind of two, three, but like two, you sleep better because you don't have any alcohol in your system, which totally interferes with REM sleep. Uh, and you wake up feeling refreshed because you slept better and then also because you're not hungover. So all of the good things that you have on your agenda, you have more energy and more motivation and zero hangover or zero, like there's nothing holding, holding you back. And so I personally, in the beginning, funneled that into, I started running and that became like a big part because the other thing that a lot of people, clients that just do detoxes and you know, decide to quit drinking for seven days or 14 days or whatever, um, they're always surprised by how much extra time they have. And that's also a huge factor. I mean, my husband and I here in Mexico, like the, it's not outlanded or, you know, it's normal culture that you're invited to a quote unquote, lunch or comida, as they say, which would start at like two o'clock in the afternoon. And if it's a social group that likes to drink, like you might still be there at two, two, three, four in the morning. And like, basically you've been seated at the same table eating and drinking for 12 hours. And, you know, I look at that now and I think it's insane, but, um, it's more, so now like I go out for lunch or we go out for lunch and like, I can't really sit at a table for more than two hours. Like the conversation has to be really freaking amazing or like something's happening other than it's just how much, so the saving of time. And then I think it all funnels into energy. So I just feel like you, I had like a new least on life, if you will, like the potential was limitless. Um, really, I've never felt better. Like I feel like maybe in my early 20s, I had this kind of energy.
0: Hmm. Which is funny because when I look at you, I'm like, you look 20 and you're not 20. And I, I don't, I really don't like to ask people their age or I'd never share my age because I don't want to, I don't want to engage with people in that way. Um, but let's say that you really don't have 20 and you look like 20 because you have this like you're a vitality queen like 100% and I feel like this um, thing you were saying about this extra time and you touched it so perfectly and so beautifully I love to believe that a lot of people are saying oh my god I don't have time I don't have time and we all have the same 24 hours everyone so how do we how do we have this sensation of having more time to me it's about increasing our life force our energy this is how you feel like you have more time because you're more focused you're more predictive you're you're just in the flow of life and you have all this life during your same 24 hours
1: It's about making your energetic output or you're like when you're quote unquote working or you're creating something like you're when you're doing focused work, that time becomes more potent because you're more on your game. And then conversely, when you're resting, you're actually resting instead of toxifying yourself, which will then be have a cumulative effect of like drawing everything the opposite way of of getting to where you wanna go, right? So it's that, and I really uh, solidified that lesson training in for half marathons, where the day that you take off is just as important as the days that you train. But if you take the day off, and you have a bottle of wine, well, that's not help, like, that's not the same thing as actually letting your body recuperate and nourishing it with what it needs. be it rest, um, meaningful conversation, you know, high-vibe foods, high-vibe liquids, it's just understanding, like, the things in life that elevate your energy, and the things in life that pull it down.
0: Yeah, exactly, Um, that's exactly where I was going with that extra time, it's not just quitting alcohol, or it's not just eating healthy, it's the whole combination of how do I sustain myself, how do I sustain my energy, and bringing that awareness and you, you talk also a lot about this in your work of like this body awareness and this intuition, tapping into the intuition, you talk about intuitive eating. And like I think that's even this morning you were talking about like craving spinach. and I was like, oh my god, this is pure genius. like when you get to the point of knowing exactly what your body needs because you're so aware of what's going on. and I feel like over the years, you got to really master that body awareness. Yeah.
1: Well, I think I'll credit back my, my first, um, lesson on that was through the yoga lens, if you will, like before yoga, I really had very little body awareness, um, or sense that my actions on the day to day influence my physical state or emotional state. Um, and I, haven't until I'd say in the last four or five years really understood the depth of that reality, but um yeah, I think nourishment, I just, I, for me, it, intuitive eating is always key with my clients because part of the problem right now that we're facing is that there's this multi-billion dollar industry that wants you to think that you don't know what's best for you that you need some external source telling you um, guiding you what to eat and like we're the only living thing on the planet that doesn't instinctively know apparently what to eat and you do but you do need to peel back some of the layers of your bad habits if you will before you can really come to trust your cravings and know that your intuition knows that You know, if you're not starving that day, it's okay. Like you don't need to eat on the hour that you've been eating for the last 10 years just because somebody told you or, you know, that's what you did when you were a kid. There's so much to it. There's,
0: There's so much to it. And in this podcast, we talk a lot about this idea of sovereignty. And what I mean by sovereignty is really that ability to know what's best for you, to tap into your own truth and your own intuition and just reclaiming, all your power back into yourself, into your queendom, which is like your whole being, your body, mind, and soul. And knowing from that place what's best for you. And that's exactly what you mentioned. And I'm so, so deeply passionate about this because as you mentioned, we don't even realize it. Like we don't know what we don't know, right? So we don't realize it until we start to bring some light onto all the parts where we are not really trusting ourselves. And as you mentioned, like, it's deeper and bigger than that with the food industry. And you mentioned in the very beginning being, you know, talking about the food system and being kind of very engaged in, in that um, cause of, like, realizing that the system in place is not uh, providing and caring about health, but true health and true well-being, because it's It's not as profitable as keeping people sick and then you have the pharmaceutical industry that then keep us even more sick so then we're always sick and and then we're always buying the same products and having the same cravings so could you guide us through all of that and through how can we crave spinach we want to know how to crave spinach (laughs)
1: Sure. Well, I mean, I think it's just important to understand that, um, like to, I won't go, I could of course deep dive into the, the processed food industry, but yeah, just, I think you summed it up perfectly that most people could probably be more aware. I mean, I always start with the practical, like what can you do to quote unquote, protect yourself from the processed food industry? One is start, stop relying on certain processed products that maybe you have been two is learn to read labels and understand that there are always better options um even within the processed food industry but three really coming back to just like eating more fresh fruit and vegetables like it doesn't a meal does not need to be complicated to be whole food and um plant-based you know you can get a lot out of a salad, for example, uh, you don't need to even need to know how to quote unquote cook. But I think, so, so for me, it's partly like bringing people back to feel connected and empowered to prepare their own food again, because that's another thing that the industry wants us to feel um, that we don't know how to prepare food uh, or that it's really time consuming. It do- also doesn't need to be complicated to be delicious. But back to cravings, like I think you were watching me uh, do a very brief mini training, which is that many clients say to me in the beginning, it's like, but I, like, I don't crave vegetables. And I think it's important that we understand there it's, you know, the stages of it. So I don't crave spinach every day either, but sometimes I do. And it's been several years of me just finding ways you can think of it as being like creative or sneaky or however you want to look at it. But certainly as a mother, like I'm always looking for creative ways to get my kids to eat more vegetables and just understanding that vegetables are your, you know, it's nature's hack, if you will, for all, all aspects of optimal health and wellness, like in terms of your immunity, in terms of your mood, in terms of your energy, in terms of healing um, naturally detoxifying your system like plants are your go-to resource and so when you're not craving spinach it's more about just remembering to get handfuls of spinach into your diet here there in the other place be it through smoothies or you know just dropping them into your eggs or um, I don't know like whatever you're already eating just because spinach I, I like spinach as an example because a handful raw is a lot but cooked it's like you know a tablespoon (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's quite easy to you know integrate it if you will um it's just the remembering and it doesn't need to be spinach I mean whatever you know your go-to snack having chopped veggies in your fridge so there's it's easy and um refreshing always having like a giant bowl of fresh fruit in your kitchen because we're visual like all animals so like whatever the first thing you see in your kitchen that's the first thing that you're going to start craving so put those things that you don't want to be craving like well away you need to get a ladder to get them out if you will they're not like easily accessible and put what you want to start eating more of out in your um in your environment because that's the first cue for your for your system and yeah just think of you know, snack, fruit or vegetable. Dessert, what kind of fruit can I have for dessert? Just as more of a default instead of whatever your current default is. It's just trying to get, add more in. And it's not about, it should never be about trying to eliminate or create like restriction around any food. I think as long as you're layering in um, lots of fruits and vegetables, you don't really need to worry I shouldn't say you don't need to worry, but think more of like how you can add things in and don't think about what you need to take out.
0: Oh yeah, I, I absolutely adore that because that's also my, my point of view in, in, in mindset of like, instead of trying to remove and repress and reject some part of us, which, which never works, right? We resist, persist. So the more, to me, the more we try to remove our cravings or the more we try to remove an aspect of us that we don't necessarily enjoy, um, the more it's, it's gonna be present. That's gonna be that restriction that you talked about. And I've dealt with that myself um, a lot in the past of really, really um, being fucked up around food, having a lot of eating disorders and dealing with that craving. And I've also came to the other side of the spectrum, uh, being really connected to my body um, and, and knowing exactly. And I had those cravings that you mentioned. Uh, like my body was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm craving broccoli right now. or I'm craving tomato or I'm craving rice right now. Like My body had this amazing intelligence of knowing exactly what type of food I needed in the moment. And I know for a lot of people, it's kind of like, what the fuck does this really happen? So, like, I know when I open up about this to friends, they're like, uh, yeah, you're weird or you're making that up. But that's the actual thing. And I love what you said about visuals, like having it like like in our sight to make the better choices. And this approach of like, you don't have to remove, you don't have to to make yourself wrong. Basically, I feel like that's, what you were also saying like it's there's nothing wrong let's just go to the best option possible in every given moment doing your best which expand way further than just food and nutrition but also mindset and ways of being just absolutely love that so there is the food aspect of it there is the nutrition um and and this is funny when you mentioned also I just want to quickly come back onto that where you said like it doesn't have to be complicated to be delicious and we are completely disconnected from preparing our food and I remember watching this documentary on a French tv show and it's this guy traveling in very lost parts of the world like very not lost but how do you say like kind of off-grid and in those original tribes where there is nothing and no one and the ladies were cooking the food for the tribe and they asked him like how is it in your country they were super curious to know how it works in you know the in europe and in the western world in general and the guy was explaining um well so we go to the supermarket so of course they didn't know what was a supermarket so he tried to like explain what it was and the lady was such a beautiful innocent she said something that stick with me this whole time she said but how do you know your food is not poisoned and they were like kind of like ah yeah we just trust but it's actually what it is our food is full of poison but we make it okay like like sugar, this is so okay to have sugar everywhere. This is more addictive than cocaine, but this is so okay, you know, it's in every fucking product, but it's okay. It's okay to have all those other, like, how do you say, um, preserve preserve things, like the things that preserve the food, in our food and, and all of that. And, and, I, and I just love this innocence in the way she said, like, but how do you know your food is not poison? You don't even prepare it you don't prepare it you don't know where it's from and you're just trusting like this big you know thing which was I super mean, I think, interesting
1: i think there's so many layers of it i mean i remember learning in my um training as a health coach it's escaping me i feel it's maybe it was this talk from daphne dr daphne miller i uh, but her point was that I mean, there's a lot of new, really amazing science coming out on epigenetics and also gut health that were coming to understand like on a whole other level, how all of this is related. And she, her work was on, um, you know, she's a medical doctor, but instead of going to medical conferences every year, she would go to sustainable farms in different parts of the United States and do her research. And what she found was like, not only are the bacteria that are already in your gut so important in terms of your body having the correct information to digest things well and get the maximum amount of nutrition out of what you are eating? The bacteria in the soil of where that thing was grown also gives information to your digestive system. So, two things there, like one, how we're you know hyper scrubbing our food and disinfecting it. Um, but mostly it's people eating produce that is so far from where it was grown. Mm. So I think like when you're, when I'm talking to clients, at least uh, when, you know, to starting with like how to make small shifts, because that going back to the fact that there's so many layers, like, like you say, 70% of boxed processed food in the supermarket has sugar as the first or second ingredient, which is insane. Um, but even if you're talking about, you know, the apples or the spinach that you're buying at the supermarket versus what you could get at a local farmer's market. Um, But I think you have to start where you, where you are and start small because it's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be integrated in your lifestyle in the long run. If you feel like you have to change like 25 things in a week, because you can, but it's going to be overwhelming and you're not going to stick with it. You're going to revert back to the comfort zone. So that's why I start with okay, well, what are you already eating? Let's upgrade the quality of the things that you're already eating first. And then let's consider like maybe what produce you should buy organic versus others that it's less important. And then let's start to read labels like the protein power that you're obsessed with let's try and consider a different brand that doesn't have um, a list of 50 ingredients half of which you have no idea what that the actually means the chemical name so i mean there's like you know I, I work with where people are but it always comes back to it has to be sustainable and it has to be integrated into their existing lifestyle so it becomes a part of who they are and not this laundry list of things that they need to keep in check because that's not realistic that's not going to be uh, a long-term shift.
0: Yeah, so that that is kind of the link between uh, making changes at you know like having a to-do list of all the changes and just integrating into who you are. I love that you said that, like integrating health and well-being and making those small changes. Because yes, yeah, sometimes we tend to self-sabotage with our lives, whether it's the health or, you know, mindset or like, I mean, mindset is a really big part of health as well, that with anything, we can be like, Oh my God, I need this five hour morning routine and I need to cook all the food and eat organic and local. And we just make it super complicated. So then we never actually start. But when you break it down to like, Hey, let's just like start super small, and this will have actually a huge impact. You might not be able to see it yet, but soon enough, you're gonna see it. And it's all about the small things. And it's about integrating it into your essence, basically. So there is also, also this connection between more of like body, mind and soul, this holistic approach that I know you bring also, cause you also talk a lot about mindfulness.
1: Part of changing your habits is becoming just more mindful. The first step is just becoming more mindful of what you are doing because um, the system is designed that you're completely on autopilot, right? And so I often have my clients do some sort of journal, like keeping a food diary, for example, or depending on like, what they're looking to ship you have to get real and honest with yourself about what you are doing and or consuming before you're capable of changing that. And then it's just making very small, like you only need to get 1% better a day. At the end of a year, you're 36% better. Whereas if you're getting 1% worse a day, it's the reverse, right? So it's a balance as well with Your masculine, your feminine energy. Like the masculine energy is all the things the do, do, do. You need to shift this, you need to change this, you need to um, make this, you need to have these rules, this structure around your wellness or your health routines. But then it's also, okay, tuning into your intuition when you wake up in the morning. What kind of health, what kind of morning routine do I actually feel like doing this morning? Like some days I wake up and I totally want to listen to old school trance and run full out on the treadmill other days i want to do like a 20 minute yoga stretch other days i don't want to do anything physical i just want to sit and watch the sunrise and drink a cup of coffee with my husband like it's trusting that's where it comes back to the intuition that you know it's not going to all fall apart if you don't keep you know this whole like you can't break the chain thinking like that's a very male not male, I'm not to say male, male, masculine energy. It's a masculine energy perspective that like you have to keep doing, 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 or you're somehow going to like drop the the momentum of progress that you're making. Yeah. I think it actually needs to be a little bit of the exact opposite, which is trusting in the ebb and flow because nature works in ebb and flow. It works in seasons. It works in you know, it's not this straight line trajectory. It's more of balance.
0: Yeah. And what would be your recommendation to know when to, to, to someone that struggle to really know the difference between the intuition and the mind playing tricks on us, because that can also be the mind when you're, waking up in the morning and you're just like, no, I'm just going to go with the flow today. And I don't feel like doing anything. So I'm not going to do anything when you actually, maybe your body actually needed to do something to move the energy around. So what would be your recommendation to be more in tune with that intuitive nature that we have within us?
1: Well, I think to be fair, like you do need to have some basic healthy structure in place, if you will, yeah. before, really trust that the ebb and the flow. Um, For example, if uh, I have a client who is overweight and they've never done any sort of exercise, their diet is like, you know, the standard American diet or worse. Uh, They don't meditate. All they do is watch Netflix on their spare time. Like there's that type of person needs a lot of guidance and some sort of anchors to realign their path Towards a healthier vision, but that doesn't mean that they can't take a day off from that new vision, if you will. You know, yeah. like you need to take the layer of self-judgment and disappointment away, or you're never going to advance. You need to just trust that um, that it's going to be okay. So, I in terms of healthy eating and nutrition, like I always go back to. How, so that we back to the food diary. Like you also need to be clear on how certain things that you consume make you feel. So the food diary, you'd write what you ate, but then you'd also write like, how did you feel physically and emotionally 15 minutes after, an hour later, the next morning. So you have a better understanding or more objective perspective of how the foods and things that you're consuming, And when I say consuming, I mean not only food and drink, but like really the the media you're consuming, the news cycle, the social media, the social circle, your work, et cetera. Like how are these things impacting your energy? I think it all, like a great measurement is always your energy. Like do you still, is it really pulling you down and making you feel tired and lethargic and with no motivation? Or is it inspiring you? And like, obviously we're not always, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed and high vibe <laughs> and inspired, but it's getting traction, understanding your personal ebb and flow on that and what that looks like. I don't know if that really answers your question, but it's yeah. definitely a process of trial and error before you can get to a point where you can be more, um, you can trust yourself more like you need to find a healthier balance and then within that balance your personal ebb and flow is very personal
0: yeah i i i completely agree with that is when you say you know having a structure in place is that masculine structure that can hold then the feminine that is more intuitive one you know the one without the other is kind of broken anyway and we talk a lot about balance and you mentioned it a lot. And to me, it's also, and maybe even more about actually harmony because balance will be like, okay, I'm gonna do half of my day in the masculine, half of my day of my feminine. So then again, you know, this piece of like, if I have more feminine or more masculine within me, where do, you know, what do I do? And it's like, both can can be, can exist. And it's how the masculine support the feminine and how the feminine is, is expressed through the masculine and i think it's so amazing to have this um basically from what you said is like it all start with real honesty with self and awareness the, the only way to be honest with ourselves is really to be aware of like okay what is it what is going on without the attachment just like in yoga or in meditation when we just like observe So it's becoming the observer of like how we we eat and how is the level of energy and everything you mentioned. And then the second piece will be practicing self-kindness, you know, kindness, self-compassion and acceptance for the journey. And I absolutely loved it. The one person better every day is like, you know, like at at the end of the year, it's like, so I just, like, yeah.
1: I just love that part. Um. But I mean, also a great thing to think about there is 1% of your day is 15 minutes, you know, so like you only need to do something better 15 minutes of your day to be 36% better by the end of the year. Like it's that daily cumulative action and, you know, like I probably several hours of my day are filled with 15 minute windows of things that I do for my health, be it meditate, be it something physical, be it cook a healthy meal, be it sleep, right? Like, um, and so for someone who's starting at zero, if you will, 15 minutes where you're doing something that's better in your health, I think is doable.
0: Mm, and it's very satisfying for the mind uh, as well. I used to have that um, when I just started Coaching, and I was really inviting people to have this. Okay, it's not 15 minutes, but it's like this five minute commitment. Like, it's you you mentioned, you know, like having non negotiable for yourself in your life. It's like, I'm going to commit to that. I'm going to be devoted to that for at least five minutes or 15 minutes. And the mind just loves that because you don't have to go into like, oh, I need to do that for the next 12 years of my life but I can actually take it one day at a time, 15 minutes a day, easy, I can do it. And then you also build up that self-confidence within it and like, oh, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, it's good. And it feels good in my body. So you, know, you also then develop this self-love and this kind of reward. I don't wanna call it that way, but like it just feels good in the body. So you wanna keep doing it. And then, then it just becomes part of who you are and part of your life and part of what you're doing. I would also absolutely love to touch on sleep because you're the vitality queen and you talk a lot about sleep, like also the sleep queen, <laughs> the sleep goddess. So like we don't talk about it a lot. I mean, I was pretty foreign to that, even if you know it's well known that, yes, we need to sleep well to be healthy and to be functioning normally. But can you guide us a little bit deeper into the magic of sleep and getting a good sleep.
1: For sure. Well, it's like sort of one of my more recent passions, all the science behind it, but um, it's something that I've always included in my coaching because yeah, it's kind of like one of those boring answers, like how to be more healthy, get a better night's sleep. Um, But I think what's difficult for most people these days is the how there are so many things that we do that are part of our, you know, um, fast paced virtual lifestyle, that are really contradictory to getting a good night's sleep, and so, <clears throat> and I think it comes back as a mom. It's always easy to talk to other moms. It's like you're very clear as a mom to, that it's very important for your child to get a certain amount of hours, and you're ra- rather obsessed about their their nighttime routine and the amount of hours they're getting. But we don't apply that to ourselves as adults. You know, like
0: mm. I think it
1: goes back to the like the rebellious teen. <laughs> who wants to stay up late and sleep late and there's all the reasons like why teenagers actually need 16 hours of sleep like infants do and they probably don't get it but it's this it's this way that you rebel against these structures that your parents put in place and I think then we just never go back to appreciating like (laughs) how much more how much better and more productive and creative and we're just you know like you know, the children are better humans when they get a good night's sleep. And so why are we not thinking the same as adults? Because it's very much the case. So I work with clients in terms of like, okay, how are we getting you a better night's sleep? You know, it's, it's, it's a very practical thing. Like how many hours are you getting? Um, where can we, part of it is reinstalling the idea of bedtimes, which again, seems really boring and not fun, but you know, we're very Keen on having an alarm to wake us up. Like how, why not put an alarm to go to bed every night instead of jolting yourself awake every morning. And after a couple of weeks of doing that, you won't need an alarm to wake you up. Um, Your body will naturally wake up at the same time every day. Our bodies are these beautiful systems that are dialed into the universe, to the, the sun and the moon, and they want the consistency like the sunrise and sunset of the day more that you can align yourself it doesn't have to be to the sunset and sunrise but nature wants you to go to bed two to three hours after the sunset and wake up right about when the sun is about to rise Uh, and a lot of us are totally off that at the same time there are there are people that are not morning people like nature if you look back from a um evolutionary perspective, it doesn't really make sense that the entire tribe goes to sleep at the exact same hours, right? So there are actually three chromotypes. So there are people that are actually designed to sleep, like they're the night owls, if you will.
0: Hmm. And
1: that's 30% of the population. And there's 30% of the population like me that are morning people. It's really easy for me to get up at five every morning. Um, And then there are people that are kind of in between, And the argument in the wellness community, if you will, is most of the 30 plus percent that are in the middle type tend to think that they're night owls versus morning people. And so they tend to lean towards the habit of being a night owl when in fact their body is a little bit more in in the in-between zone, meaning they would benefit a lot from going to bed at a you know, maybe they're not going to bed at 10pm like I do, but maybe go to bed by midnight instead of one or two in the morning, right? So it's just understanding, sorry, to get to know your own rhythm, like everything, it takes some trial and error. But instilling that pattern for yourself can have so many benefits, because when you wake up while rested your whole entire day, like from a neurological standpoint, but also just from that, behavior standpoint a joy a happiness a contentment with your life standpoint your whole day is set off better when you wake up feeling like oh my god i feel amazing ready to slay the day kind of energy versus like hitting snooze three times they're very different energies and when you start your day off feeling great it's like a cascade of good decisions of good habits and it's just a cycle of of them you know by the end of the day honoring your bedtime etc I will say being sober, it's been a lot easier to do that. Um, But I would argue that it's a really good reason to consider how many days a week that you're consuming alcohol because caffeine and alcohol are the two major things apart from screens that are interfering with um, quality rest and restore sleep cycles.
0: Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot of info. I loved it. And I I especially love the way through this whole journey that you brought us through during this podcast, how your kids are your main inspiration for this lifestyle, basically that, you know, you mentioned them a lot and how they inspire you to basically become a better person and really take care and observe and learn from how you could do things better for yourself. And again, it goes back goes back to that first piece that I was mentioning that I absolutely adore about you is like when we take care about ourselves, it's not just for us. It's for our loved ones, it's for our communities and basically for the whole planet.
1: Yeah, well, I'll just briefly finish up saying that you know, I think well, women who have who have had the Privilege of going through a pregnancy and giving birth, like it's very culturally normal at that point in your life to be hyper in tune that you're doing everything to protect that fetus, right? And so you shift into this different mindset. And then it always seemed more strange to me after the fact. It's like, okay, all these things that I shouldn't be eating while I'm pregnant because they're harmful for the fetus. Like, so wouldn't they also be harmful to me just on a smaller scale, but on a cumulative long-term scale, it's the same thing, you know? Um, And so I just started researching a lot of that and and applying it to, and I I still to this day think like, you know, everything that you would consider dialing down because you were pregnant, you might want to consider like dialing down period, you know? Just feel better and you're in an optimal state of health and wellness.
0: Amazing. So if anyone listening to this podcast is like, Oh my God, I feel really triggered by everything. I really want to take care of my health and I love this Vitality Queen. Like I want to be in her field. I want to be part of her work. I want to work with her. Where can they find you? What do you have running
1: at the moment? Definitely. Well, I'll share with you a link. I have a new mini course on sleep and how to get more of it um, that I'm happy to offer to your listeners and they can just sign up and take the course. It's all there, ready to go. Uh, and you can find me on my website, meganswanwellness.com or I spend most of my time on Instagram at meganswanwellness. And yeah, let's, let's chat. And uh, it always starts with the, the one thing that is probably been on your radar for a long time that you want to shift. And we go from there.
0: Yeah. And I love to finish up my guest post- podcast with asking if you could... If you were about to meet your younger self right now, what would, you, what would you tell her?
1: Yeah. Well, this is probably not like the most strategic answer if you will, but it's been as when I was what, in my mid early twenties, I started raving a lot more than going to clubs. And so I stopped drinking and started doing ecstasy instead of alcohol for many. And of course there's like many downsides to doing a lot of any kind of drug, recreational drug. It's not that I'm recommending that, but even back then it's was very clear to me how my relationship with alcohol was not ideal. Like I was never feeling like a better human being when I was on uh, drinking. And whereas like I had, you know, ecstatic spiritual experiences doing psychedelics. And I never felt like I was out of control of how much I was going to take or anything like that. Like it was a totally different relationship. So I guess I'll just leave that by saying I don't know, follow your instincts. Like I feel like, particularly as women, we have this deep intuition. Um, when we start questioning certain things we're doing, and then we tend to just kind of go with the cultural norm, um, instead of going against the grain, but I can tell you, it's so worth choosing you over choosing you and trusting your intuition that, you know, what you might want to do differently.
0: I love it that's the perfect way to wrap this podcast thank you so much for your presence thank you so much for your wisdom for being here sharing your magic with us thank you for listening to the podcast for more free resources online courses spiritual events coaching containers and deep initiation work visit my website and let's connect on instagram